0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Skift podcast. Skift's weekly conversations on the trend lines shaping global travel.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Mastercard, one of the world's leading technology companies. Mastercard and Skift have recently announced Future Cities, an exploration of how major destinations are preparing for the new age of urban mobility. From connected infrastructure to smart technologies, this upcoming series examines how global cities are creating seamless and personalized experiences for visitors and residents. Learn more about the project at futurecities.skift.com and join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag SkiftFutureCities.
0: I'm Samantha Schenkman. And this week, I'm joined by Skift co-founder and head of content, Jason Clampett. The almighty bike is experiencing a cultural renaissance. Bike share programs are popping up in cities from New York to Louisville. City streets are transforming with the addition of painted bike lanes. And boutique bike brands are discovering a new and growing customer base. In the past few years, the world has awakened to the secret that Northern Europeans have known for decades. Biking is healthier, more enjoyable, and more reliable than most other forms of public transportation. But what sparked this evolution on both an individual and government level? How has New York's experiment with City Bike inspired other cities across the US? And what do these new habits mean for city infrastructure and transportation in the future? To answer these questions and more, we're speaking with Danny Simmons, who has worked in sustainable transportation in New York City for 11 years, and currently serves as the Director of Communications and Government Affairs at Motivate, the nation's largest bike share operator. We're also speaking with Dean DeSimone, owner of Tokyo Bike New York, which sells extremely well-designed, lightweight bikes based on the concept of Tokyo Slow. Dean, Danny, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Would you mind each telling us a little bit about where you come into the bike world and kind of what your roles are?
2: Sure. Um, So I've been working in sustainable transportation for about 11 years in New York City alone. Um, I've worked in all different sectors from the advocacy world, I worked for Transportation Alternatives when I first came here uh, to working for city government. I worked for New York City DOT under Commissioner Jeanette Seti-Khan, who is responsible really for a lot of the sort of bike renaissances you see it in New York City. Um, and then uh, most recently, I've been working for City Bike, and now I work for the parent company Motivate, which is the nation's largest bike share operator. And we have uh, 10 bike share systems around the country uh, and around the world, um, including City Bike Care in New York. And I do communicate. And government affairs uh, for the company.
0: Great. And Dean, you kind of had an interesting um journey into the world of bikes. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, sure. I, I started off as an engineer, um, moved into technology consulting, went to graduate school for architecture, became a designer, got involved with media, interactive, marketing, advertising. And branding, and ultimately built up a company that I sold and was looking for another project, and ended up being the owner of a bicycle company here in the States. Right.
0: And Tokyo Bike is originally um, a Japanese bike company, is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's correct. My partner, Ichiro Kanai, founded it in 2002, and it was a Somewhat of a slow start. We had a location in Japan for about six years before we expanded to Melbourne and London, and that was about the time that I met them. Um, And five years later, we ended up launching in the Americas, and we're here in New York.
0: Great, great. Thanks. Uh, So it seems like we're in the midst of this kind of bike renaissance. There's People are buying bikes more often. There are bike shares popping up in cities all around the world. What do you think has led to this increased interest and use of bike riding?
3: Well, from my perspective, there's, there are a couple different things going on. Um, one, we've seen a real trend for people that are interested in, in exploring their cities to a greater degree. I think a lot of that is attributed to lower crime in cities, um, a sort of renaissance in downtowns of a lot of cities that have uh, uh, either renovated or regenerated or have reprogrammed to some extent. Um, and also just the difficulty of moving around in a car. You know, I think that people like to be out and about. Um, they feel safe doing it. And also the sort of push for lifestyle that we've seen in a lot of the, the major cities around the world. We've seen people that want to take ownership of things like a bicycle to an expression of themselves to some degree, but also allows them the freedom to experience the city in the, the manner that they want to.
2: I think you see the, the data from the U.S. is that, you know, millennials are slower to get their driver's licenses, uh, and actually fewer and fewer of them are even choosing to drive as a way to getting around. Um, More of them are embracing public transit, bicycling, walking. And they really want this uh, flexibility. And they really, I think it sort of comes from, like, the things that are, like, in everyone's pockets, like our phones. Like, it really opens up the way that we explore and move around cities. And we kind of expect to be able to choose and to be able to have that be something that's, like, not constrained to just, like, of course, I'll always drive somewhere. But it's more of a, like, well, what's faster? Or what's easier? Or what's going to let me kind of have an experience that I want to experience? And people are choosing a better experience in a way, you know, people expect more of public transit these days. They want to be able to check real time information to know where they're going. They want to be able to know when the next bus is coming. They want to be able to like know that the vehicles they're riding in are clean. They want to be able to know that they're safe and they want to be able to know that they're going to go under their own schedules and under their own control. And the, and the bike is, I think, an expression of that. It's, it's a way that people are kind of taking control of their own transportation destiny in a way Um, and I think that cities have really um, responded and you know you see that in New York we've added you know over 430 miles of bike lanes since 2007 um, including almost 50 miles of protected bike lanes Um, and cities are really building out the infrastructure to make that a reality and make people feel safer and more comfortable when they do it and then in return you get more and more people experiencing that and choosing to, to move around in that way.
1: Can you talk a bit more about the infrastructure? Because, you know, you both kind of talked about exploring and experience, and it's great to have that desire, but if you go out and it's, you know, it's really hard to (laughs) explore and experience because of, you know, the way turn lanes are structured and, you know, the aggressiveness of drivers and things like that, Um, in terms of uh, infrastructure, how are what do you think caused cities to kind of have the same awakening at the same time? Cyclists, where you know you had a very progressive um, uh, urban planner uh, with when, with uh, with Jeanette, um, and I think there were similar people in in other cities around the world at the same time, especially in the U.S. But what 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 do you think the impetus was for that that allowed the timing to work so well?
2: I mean, I think here in New York, you had. Um you know, I go back to sort of Mayor Bloomberg and Plan YC, which was a sustainability plan for New York, but it was also a plan to accommodate growth. You know, at the time, the economy was booming. city was projecting a million more people coming to live in New York City, let alone visit. And they had some very ambitious goals about increasing tourism as well at the same time. Um, But they really said, like, how are we going to accommodate all of this growth? And they looked at sort of all the different strains on the different city systems that that was going to be causing from our sewer systems to our water systems to just the transportation system. And they really said, like, look, like, you know, anyone who lives in New York or visits who has had the... Fortune of being on the Lexington Avenue line at rush hour knows it's not a super pleasant experience, and people are really packed in the subway cars. And they said, if we add a million more people, it's just going to get that much worse. And we're not adding subways at a very rapid rate, and not expanding capacity there at a rapid rate. What can we do that is get again flexible and can take some of that capacity? And and bicycling was really one of those one of those methods. And I think. Then you have Commissioner Sadi Khan coming in as a DOT commissioner and really saying, like, okay, well, let's take this. Let's run with it. Let's do it. Let's see what's possible and really push it out. And, you know, she had been to other cities like Copenhagen and Amsterdam and some of the cities that have really, in Northern Europe, that have really done it right for years and, and said, like, we should be making more progress and more quickly here in the States and doing that. And I think... New York as being kind of one of the media capitals of the world had the advantage of then being able to take those images and kind of broadcast them around the world. And you got other cities being like, hey, like New York's doing that. That's crazy. Like who would have thought you could ride a bike in New York and other cities saying, well, if you could do it there, like we could surely figure it out here. Um, And I think a lot of cities also at the same time sort of having that same like impetus to sustainability and wanting to build out more infrastructure in that way.
0: There was a lot of resistance to um, kind of building out that bike infrastructure in the beginning. Has, how has public perception of that changed over time? Is there still resistance?
2: You know, I think even at the height of the resistance and um, for people who are nerdy enough to have like followed this like blow by blow, the Prospect Park West bike lane lawsuit is probably like the pinnacle of of some of that. You know, even at that time, bike lanes, their popularity were pulling incredibly high. Like I think we're talking like in the 70% range. Um, people really supported it. I think there's a lot that, um, you know, the people and the media do to kind of feed a storyline because it's a fascinating storyline, right? Like it's, you know, there's there's villains and heroes and there's, you know, there's the both sides and everyone got really heated and passionate about it today I think it's a lot easier and I think it's interesting to see how this administration in New York at least has repackaged a lot of this and you see it in San Francisco and some other cities as well as, as Vision Zero and it's really at the core not just about sustainability or livability but it becomes about safety and about making our streets safer for everyone and I think that that's really smart in a lot of ways because at the end of the day you can't argue with safety, That's like mom and apple pie and everyone wants to be safer and I think that's that's sort of what this is morphing into.
1: When you you talk about how other cities of, you know, looking at Copenhagen, for instance, um, you know, when, when you think of successful destinations that, that kind of love their bikes in the right way, um, what cities do you guys think about?
3: You know, we have a a sort of long heritage of studying Northern Europe cities and, and how they cycle. It was an inspiration behind Tokyo bike when it first started, um, in Tokyo, you pretty much had two demographics riding bicycles when we launched the brand, and that is the very serious road bikers, where you know, kitted out in lycra and, and on five thousand dollars bikes, would uh, would pretty much govern the roads in terms of biking. And then you had this other faction called the momosan bikes, which were these very heavy, uh, almost like uh, mules in a way. You know, they were built to carry tons of groceries or parcels. And they were kind of like an unofficial city bike program. People would basically just leave them around. No one locks their bike in Tokyo. And after hours when the trains were shut down, a lot of the salary men, which these are the gentlemen in suits, they call them salary men that work 14 hours a day and and, uh, miss their trains at night after dinner. A lot of them would actually take the bikes and ride them home and park them outside of their apartments. And then the next day, someone would pick up the Momosan bike and then use it for you know, moving parcels or groceries or whatever. So you really had this pretty extreme range of bikes available. And through what we saw in Amsterdam, um, in Copenhagen, um, in uh, Hamburg, and even in London, we saw this surge of really, really exceptional bicycle design that people were able to use as a commuting bike every day. But it really was both... Uh, it was light, it was stylish, um, it was dependable. Um, and it, it just didn't fit the two factions that were in Tokyo. And we realized that that is something that the the demographic was missing there. And so when we launched there, we realized that there was a lot of credence to those programs and that there was a, a need for that so, sort of bicycle. It, it brought cycling to an entirely different demographic that was, was interested in it. Um, I will say just in terms of city bike in New York, it's had a huge influence on, on our constituency. We, we get questioned all the time people come in with, with city bikes and they're like oh i bet you guys hate city bikes you know and, and we actually adore them and we love them we've, we've seen a really interesting sort of transition we have a lot of people that come in and they say you know what I, i'm actually ready for my tokyo bike now and when questioned what that means it means that they they actually were able to to uh resolve their fears and begin to use city bike on a daily basis and once they've found comfort in the fact that cycling was healthy, safe, fun, and effective for their means of transportation, they then decided, okay, I'm gonna get my own bicycle now. And so you see a lot of people that move through that transition, but then I would also argue that all the customers that come back, we hear that they actually are maintaining their city bike relationship as well because the two serve really different purposes. And you find that it, they actually feed off each other well. And you know we owe city bike a huge amount of thanks for what they've done for the city, uh, the city roads alone. Um, Without it, I don't think Tokyo Bike would have launched in, the, in New York, first of all, or even in the States. You know, we need to have the support of a program like City Bike to allow people to get out, but also just have the right infrastructure so that there is safety. So it's been, I think, Northern Europe as a big influence, but then also New York over the past five years definitely concluded that it was the right place to do it
0: i thinking, I mean, we're talking a lot about how locals are using bikes to get around in their day to day. But what about tourists? Um, what are you, how are you talking to tourists? Are you talking to them through City Bike? Are they a big part of City Bike's business? And I don't know, maybe they are even coming to Tokyo Bike because they're interested in bikes or, I don't know. What's your relationship with tourists who are just, you know, maybe in the city for three days or three months? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Well, for City Bike and also for the other bike share programs that we run, um, we have casual passes. So you can walk up to a station and get a 24-hour pass or a three-day or seven-day pass in some of our other cities um, and experience bike share. And it's interesting to look at the demographics in New York. It's really like about a 50-50 split between locals and tourists using it. Um, It's interesting because it's 10 bucks for a day pass and it's 24 hour access to city bike and it's like what else can you get in New York for 10 bucks that's like it becomes a sort of like all day adventure and that's for I think locals and tourists alike Um, I think we speak to tourists you know directly at the station in that way we have an ambassador program where we actually staff some of our highest use stations to just answer questions because we know that bike share as a concept is still pretty new to a lot of people visiting New York and want to be able to explain the difference between what bike share is versus what bike rental is and bike share being really point to point meant for short trips you can't actually take the bike out for the full 24 hours. There's overtime fees and, and the like. Um, but really to explain to people like there's actually stations like every few blocks in New York and that's how it works. Um, and we have you know special material. We have maps and things that we give to tourists, and we have the city bike app, so you can download the app and find your station and do routing and things like that. Um, and in some of our cities, we actually see, like in Chicago, for instance, we actually see casual pass sales is a higher percentage of our revenue than annual membership. And I think in Chicago, it's the case because a lot of the station locations are really right along um, the Lakeshore Drive and really in places where people as tourists feel really comfortable riding. I think in New York, like part of our challenge is getting more stations up and around central park and near the west side greenway where we already see high use but right now since our service area stops at 59th street which will hopefully change very soon um you know we think that there's there's a lot of opportunity to kind of expand and be in places where tourists already feel more comfortable riding
3: yeah for us it's it's a pretty interesting um component to what we do we because you also work with hotels right we do yeah so you know, we're a destination in new york we only have one location so it's it's not as prevalent as city bike of course so if we have people coming that are tourists and asking for rentals they they actually have sought us out and have either heard or experienced some of our rentals in other cities or they're europeans and just they just feel that it's almost their right that there should be a bike program or, or you should be renting bikes to us because this is how we get around so it's 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 actually quite charming Um, in New York, we actually don't do bike rentals. Uh, we are still thinking about that. I think it's really good, but we actually really love to push people to city bike. We think it's just set up so perfectly. Um, there's a lot of liability uh, associated with, with rental bikes. Um, we've seen a lot of accidents with tourists, which no matter how well they're educated by city bike, people will do what they want to do on the bikes and New York can be daunting if you're not following, following the rules and the paths. Um, But in terms of of helping tourists, we do have a really interesting program with the Ace Hotel. Um, We haven't launched it here in New York yet, but we've launched it in London and in Los Angeles. Um, It started when the late Alex Calderwood was launching uh, Shoreditch in London. And um, a lot of the spirit of their brand is about exploration and sort of getting to know your neighborhood that you're in. And they kind of target really interesting neighborhoods to launch their properties Um, And they knew that that was a lot of what our DNA was as well. You know, we found ourselves in a lot of the same neighborhoods as the Ace and the different areas um, that we've launched stores. Um, So Alex came to us and said, what if we did a share program? What if we came up with a way that our guests can actually get out on bikes and experience the city and we'll give them guides to things that we think are very Ace and and address our customers well? And we decided that'd be great. So we designed a bicycle exclusively for London, Um, came in two colors, and it was wildly successful. Um, there's a nice waiting list I hear all, all the time. And those recently in London, I couldn't get one. Um, and as, as the, the program progressed a couple of years later, we decided to celebrate another program in downtown Los Angeles, which is really this amazing project that the A's put together. Um, the the sort of gentrification that downtown LA is going through is, is really wonderful. A lot of interesting brands are going down there. So a lot of really inter- interested tourists are going there as well. So we launched a similar program. They got their own bikes, same design, different colorways. And um, in both cities, we offer tours. And it's not just you can take your bike out. We actually organize tours around really interesting luminaries from those cities. So it could be someone from uh, the music field or the food industry or art um, design and we set up rides and, and take people on them and kind of introduce them to parts of the city that they typically wouldn't have seen. Even as a tourist, you wouldn't find a lot of these places in the guides. And we just think that based on the bicycle use, we're actually expanding a lot of people's understandings of city. Um, so yeah, we're hoping to expand that to as many Ace Hotels as we can, especially the ones that are in, in pretty dense urban fabrics. Um, we think it's just a really great way to integrate tourism into the city.
2: I guess picking up on that also, we have had for City Bike, we've had partnerships with hotels and it's been interesting to see how different hotels have kind of taken advantage of this being in the city. So there have been hotels that have offered their guests the City Bike day pass as sort of a part of a live like a New Yorker package for a weekend. Um, And we've had hotels that have just offered it as like a just a perk. For every single guest that has come in, um, so it's been interesting to see how people have adopted that and wanted to sort of advertise that as part of as part of their offerings for people in the city. And the uptake has been medium, I would say, so far. But it's it's interesting to see it become part of the amenity, like a in a suite of amenities that hotels offer. Like you never would have imagined that ten years ago for New York that that would be that would be what was going on. Um, but it is it is pretty fun, and it is a challenge to kind of um, help guide the the tourists and the visitors to places where they're going to feel comfortable and safe and have a good experience riding. You know, I see, I bike around all the time in my neighborhood on weekends and I can't tell you, like I see tourists underneath the Manhattan Bridge so many times, like, you know, turning their maps this way and that from the rental companies or even from City Bike and just trying to figure out like, how do I get to Dumbo from here and he's going to be like you are a block away all you need to do is cross under this like you know sort of gnarly looking underpass and you are there my friend but it's you know but it's amazing because you you hear all different accents from all over the world and see people who are, who are really getting out beyond just like the traditional midtown destinations so they're doing it on bike
3: and there seem to be a ton of new opportunities as well when you think about the Airbnb crowd and you know we're, we're currently uh, planning a really interesting program with One Fine Stay So when you see these new sort of destinations for tourists to come in, you know, they don't always have the same amenities that a hotel could have. And what a great way to live like a New Yorker, but tie them into either a city bike program or, you know, a brand like Tokyo Bike. And that's what we're trying to do um, and just really allow them that alternate transportation and allow them to see the city in a very unique way
0: you bring up um you brought up the topic of safety earlier and i think it's interesting thinking about that image of like a tourist staring at the map while they're on the bike what are your thoughts about safety are visiting cyclists more of a hazard than they are good on the streets
3: i don't think that they're really more of a hazard i think it's more about education we have we have travelers coming from all over the world that cycle in very different ways and maybe the the one key element that differs in other countries is is helmet use So I think that is something that the education needs to be there to make sure that tourists understand it is something that you really need to consider in a ride. Um, But I don't think they're irresponsible. I think they actually follow the bike paths very well. I think um, the downfall of tourists on bikes is that they're not familiar with how some of the New Yorkers use the bike paths. And for the most part, New York cyclists are very responsible and they're very respectful. But there is one faction that we all need to look out for as pedestrians and cyclists and that is the food delivery gentlemen uh, that you'll find on electric bicycles typically riding the path in the wrong direction because they're on the clock and they're trying to make a living and they often will just break the rules to get from location a to location b as quickly as possible and we've seen numerous. Uh, near accidents and a couple of accidents on the corner where our store is, and almost all of them have had some involvement with a food delivery person. So it's very difficult to educate a tourist on the fact that that faction exists. Um, you just hope that they're aware and keeping their eyes up.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think for tourists, and maybe this is just my own personal view, you know, I've biked in cities... I've been very fortunate to bike in a lot of different cities around the world, and it really... I take a moment of pause before I head out in a new city and I try to familiarize myself and orient myself a little bit to the map. And I definitely find myself going a lot slower in part because I want to actually soak it in and appreciate the scenery and in part because I'm aware that it's not my city and I don't really know the rules of the road. I've biked in Ahmedabad, India and I was like a one-woman parade, but I can tell you, like, I biked at a snail's pace because I was trying to negotiate and navigate the the traffic patterns in the city that I wasn't familiar with. And I think you see tourists kind of taking that approach also here. Um, and I think what we're seeing really in terms of our ridership patterns in New York and also in Chicago is that the tourists really are sticking a lot more to the parks and the protected greenways um, and places like that and not really venturing out through midtown that much. There's probably some of that, but we look at the stations where people are riding to and from and we can just sort of see the patterns of that. People love to ride over the Brooklyn bridge, which I know is becoming increasingly crowded. And I hope that they find a solution for that because it's such a wonderful resource and it's a great view of the city that everyone wants to participate in. It's just everyone is there right now. Um, But, uh, but you really see folks kind of sticking to those places more. And I think, you know, that's, that's great. That's a great first experience for New York. And, you know, even locals, when they're first starting out, you'll find that a lot of them really want to start in those protected areas as well because they feel safer there.
1: Well, I want to thank you for your time today. But before we wrap it up, if you could tell us your favorite city to ride in and why. I don't know if it's tied to specific experience or whatnot.
2: Well, I mean, New York, obviously.
1: Outside of New York, because we know New York is the best on earth. but
2: um, Outside of New York, you know, I'm a sucker for Copenhagen. You can't imagine a city where it's just, you don't really even have to think about it. Like, it's almost as natural as walking, and I really hope that all cities kind of get to that. Like, it's you don't think about, like, oh, is it safe to bike or not, or how will I find my way around? You can just sort of... Take for granted that there's good signage, and of course, it will be safe and it will be obvious to you how to proceed. In the same way that if you like think about driving in most of their cities, you're not like, "Ooh, am I going to figure out how to drive here?" The rules are kind of consistent and the same, and things are well marked, and you pick it up.
1: I, I love how they've combined the bike and the stroller in Copenhagen. So you've got the carriage for the children in the front. I,
2: I always I call it the baby bucket. I mean, they're becoming more popular here in New York. I see, you know, if you're out in Brooklyn, you see lots of people kind of going around in them as well. It's kind of amazing, but I love that. I mean, I also. So, you know, I loved getting to ride around places in Guangzhou, China and, and Ahmedabad, India, where you're just like, you know, so far out of your comfort zone. But all of a sudden, like the thing that puts you in common with other people is that you're also on a bike and you start to kind of have conversations or at least interactions with people because you're both sharing that experience, even if you're from such different cultures. And there's something really amazing about that and the way that the bike can break down those, those boundaries.
3: Well, this is going to sound like a shameless plug, but Tokyo, I would say, is, is my favorite to cycle in. And I think it's for a variety of reasons. One is um, it's it's incredibly safe. Um, the terrain is quite varied. So you actually have a lot of different ways to ride and, and, and things you can see. Uh, but maybe mostly because of the street organization. You know, there, there really isn't one, it's quite organic uh you can stay off the main roads all day long and get from any part of the city to another quite easily but it's it's just all about exploration every little corner you turn you're going to find something different and one of the most amazing things about the 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 address system in tokyo is that a building is numbered based on when it was built so if you need to go to number one smith street um, you will quickly know that that was the first building ever built on Smith Street, and that will help you find it. So it's definitely not in a linear order. You'll find number one next to number 430. So it wasn't until I got on a bike that I found this both you know charming and, and frustrating, but it allowed me to really study the city in a different way that only I really could do on a bicycle. In a taxi, I couldn't have seen that. I couldn't have understood it. I should have probably understood it because on every business card, there's a map on the back of where the location is of that business. Um, But it really wasn't until the bicycle that allowed me to see it. So I think that's kind of a fascinating city to cycle in.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing your insights. Um, We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us.